Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod, back with a Bayern crisis. Yes, it's that time of the season again. Two draws and all hell breaks loose in Bavaria. Elsewhere, Borussia Dortmund with a second last-minute win. Schalke are doomed, Hertha are doomed and Cologne are really, really good. As our Wolfsburg. Here to discuss everything with me is... Christoph Biermann, good morning. Good morning and I am Raphael Honigstein and good morning or good afternoon wherever you are, dear listener. Thank you for being with us. Thank you also for supporting us. We welcome your contributions. We love your input and also please don't forget if you can to subscribe to us to keep beer and honey going and best way to do it is to go to steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey but you'll also find the link on our socials now Christoph I know that you've been dying to talk about two players from Cologne yes Julian Chabot and Nicolas Soldo And now everybody has question marks um, over their head. Including me. <laughs> Who are these guys? Uh, they they were um, replacing regular central defenders uh, from, from FC Cologne uh, at Bayern. And they played really well, like all Cologne players did. Um, only conceding the equalizer in the almost very last minute um, of of the match at the Allianz Arena. So a impressive one-one draw. Uh, when when you look at it from the uh, Cologne perspective, um, and uh, yes, and Julian Chabot and and Nicolas Soldo, um, um, they. Uh, had together um, 10 games in the Bundesliga be, before the start of the, of the uh, of this match at um, at Bayern and uh, uh, Nicola Soldos. Some some people might have heard the name uh, before. Uh, Zvonimir Soldo, who played for Stuttgart and also for Cologne in the past, and who was a Cologne player. And yes, Nicola is his son. And uh, Julian Chabot is uh, sounds like uh, coming from France or so, but in fact he's he's a he's a German born in Hanau, uh, same as Woody Völler, and um, he 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 has an interesting career. He is only 24 years old. He he started in the youth team of Eintracht Frankfurt, went to Leipzig, and then uh, took a, a an interesting. Uh, uh, directions he he played in with Sparta Rotterdam and Groningen in, in in the Netherlands and then went to Italy to Sampdoria La Spezia back to Sampdoria and now he's in Cologne and he is actually a very good central defender so yeah and uh, but but you but but you said it I, I mean it was again a very good performance by Cologne but but Bayern crisis. What do you say about it? <laughs> <laughs> so they, well, they are, I mean, uh, uh, whenever Bayern is not winning, it's by definition a crisis. And, uh, but, but they, this crisis comes with some extra spice because, uh, we have this big discussion about, um, goalkeepers coach Tony Tapalovic being released and Serge Gnabry traveling to Paris, um, for the fashion week and, uh, Um, and Bayern sports director uh, Hassan Salihamidzic called him 
and now we have a learning football fußball deutsch uh, uh, special here learning fußball deutsch with beer and honey called him amateurhaft. What kind of insult is that, Raphael? It translates as amateurish. Uh, now, it has to be said that uh, going to Fashion Week in a week when there is a midweek game is perhaps not a good look, uh, despite um, uh, good efforts. He, I think, was a convenient scapegoat as far as uh, the criticism was concerned, because Bayern, and he wasn't the only one, had really played very poorly in that first 45 minutes, especially they were disorganized. The passing was really off. The timing was off. The decisions were off. Also, it has to be said, partially due to Köln playing really well, they were pressing high, they were disrupting Bayern. Bayern had no sense of rhythm. And it was a little bit reminiscent of these stuttering performances that we saw in the second half of last season when Bayern really didn't get going after the winter break. And I think that's when people got a little bit nervous and the alarm bells started ringing, especially with uh, Hassan Salihamidzic. And he not only slaughtered uh, verbally, of course, Serge Gnabry, but also said, well, I don't get the feeling that everyone understands that this is about a championship Where's the focus? Where's the application? Where's the dedication? Joshua Kimmich, the goal scorer, a fantastic goal to, to rescue a point for Bayern, said the same um, and wasn't that convinced that the second half was that much better, unlike Julian Nagelsmann. Now, I think we have to distinguish a little bit. Yeah, but um, uh, this amateurish trip to, to Paris, uh, one point uh, Salihamidzic was making, he was saying, Uh, you need an off day, and that was on Sunday, and it was Bayern's off day. You need a, a, an off day to relax. But people have different uh, concepts of relaxation. And maybe for Serge Gnabry, a trip to uh, to the Paris Fashion Week is the most relaxing thing you can imagine. And also, I think he he looked terrific in his various dresses that he, he, he was wearing. So um, that's a given, very stylish man. But uh, yeah, uh, so um, do I have a point here? Is it, um, um, or, or would you say, yeah, come on, Christoph. I, I mean, he, he should stay on his sofa and, and uh, relax in the old fashioned way. I think the perception is a bit of a problem if, you know, it's all over his own social media channels and, I think there's an understanding or at least an assumption that the, the, the process of traveling itself can never really be totally conducive to a footballer's lifestyle. You know, you sit on a plane for two hours one way, sit on a plane two hours the other way. There is some kind of effort involved in it. Now, I agree with you, the, the thing itself is irrelevant. Um, there's nothing really worse or materially different from him going to Fashion Week than somebody visiting their, their parents, which happens all the time on off days. Uh, people go home to see uh, you know, relatives in, in other places and do travel for that. It's, I think, the more of a, yeah, the feeling for it, you know, a, a sense of the timing not being quite right. 
and making yourself a little bit vulnerable as far as not producing is concerned. Of course, that's what happened. He didn't play well. He wasn't, he was by far not the only one. Um, but it fed into this narrative that Bayern themselves, of course, like to sometimes tell themselves when they're not playing well, that this is a problem of focus, of attitude, that it's not about tactics or footballing matters, but simply we don't take it seriously enough. And so Hassan Salihamidzic wanted to make that point. I think he wanted would have made the point even without Serge Gnabry going to Paris, but it made it just easier for him to make the point. Now, I wrote a column in The Athletic today saying this is basically the prevention paradox in action. Bayern are always in crisis in order to prevent a real crisis. <laughs> it doesn't always happen, but very often it does because they are so in, so sensitive to uh, bad performances, to bad results, uh, so nervous, so almost neurotic when they don't win that it is a part of them winning and keeping them uh, quite focused, even if it does come with a lot of noise. And as you said, Christoph, there's also the... Um, very unwelcome distraction of the goalkeeper, um, goalkeeping coach Tony Tapalovic getting sacked. He was a ally and very good friend of Manuel Neuer. It's widely seen as a shot across the boat to Neuer himself, you know, a bit of a erosion of his power base. But while that is probably true, I'm reluctant to read too much into it because I think it was more down to him and Julian Nagelsmann just not being quite on the same page. Nagelsmann wanted somebody different in from the beginning. Um, couldn't do it because Neuer said, look, I'm Manuel Neuer and this is how I feel comfortable with this coach. Um, now he's been able to do it because of uh, the situation and the question marks of a Neuer's return. But I think we shouldn't lose perspective that this is just the goalkeeping coach in inverted commas and not really I think critical for Bayern's success at least not this season I asked the, the question last time why didn't why didn't they ring Nübel and and talked with him about it and <laughs> exactly that was the criticism that uh, Julian Nagelsmann uh, I think uh, uh, brought up he was saying yeah this goalkeeper's coach should, should have called Nübel but uh, as you explained last time the relation between Nübel and Tapalovic was um, difficult uh, from the beginning on. And uh, so so I, I think that also played into this with this big discussion about uh, who will replace uh, Manuel Neuer for, for the next half year or, or maybe a bit longer. Yeah, the interesting thing will be what happens in the summer if Nübel actually decides, yes, there's no more Tapalovic, now I want to come back. <laughs> then Bayern might, feel, might be in a situation where they have Zoma, Neuer, hopefully, and Nübel himself. But I guess that Nübel will probably only turn back to Munich if he feels or if the club feels that Manuel Neuer will not come back. So in a way, that would be a sad outcome um, for, for Neuer and for the club, even if for Nübel personally, it would, would provide an opportunity. But let's see. I think the... The fear is that Bayern will have the same problems that we saw last uh, last season, that they kind of lose the momentum a little bit. But 
I am more optimistic in the sense that I think Nagelsmann has learned some big lessons from that time. He's done the things that a lot of players have asked him to do, which is to talk a lot more with them. He's more, much more, a lot more communicative. He is also more willing to keep it simple in training. Uh, tactically, doesn't change as much, doesn't adapt as much to the opposition, which is something that the Bayern players always felt a little bit uneasy about. Guardiola, of course, did the same, but Guardiola was Guardiola and Nagelsmann is Nagelsmann. Uh, and finally, I think he rotated a lot in the second half of the season. And that's also something that didn't really work so much for the team. Um, the idea was to give everyone a chance and keep them all happy, but it actually led to kind of the automatisms, as we like to say in Germany. <laughs> um, the flow, the, the, the fluidity, suffering, because there were constantly different starting 11s and different systems on the pitch. And I think he has listened and is trying to be a lot more stable and predictable, if you will, in his decisions. So uh, let's see. Um, my hunch is that Bayern feel actually a little bit more focused and awakened almost by this minor setback. Um, before we, we talk about the potential Bayern Jäger, um, there are many. And um, uh, maybe we have another uh, learning Fußball Deutsch. And uh, m maybe I'm, I'm right or maybe I'm wrong to, to, to bring it up here. Because um, I would say... Well, if you're wrong, listener, you will never hear this. <laughs> because we cut it out. <laughs> oh, probably. Probably. Let, let's see. So, um, The Equalizer by jo Joshua Kimmich. Um, a fantastic shot from about 30 meters. Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. I would call it a Sonntagsschuss. Um, what is a Sonntagsschuss in, in English? And uh, would you agree that this one was a Sonntagsschuss? Yeah, absolutely. A Sonntagsschuss is a Sunday shot. Now, this Sunday shot happened on Tuesday. But the idea is that this happens so rarely that uh, it's sort of a minor miracle. And, you know, it, it only happens kind of on a day off or in a blue moon, as we, as we would say in English. Um, Sonntagsschuss, yeah, wonderful, wonderful goal. And typically, I, I would say it happened from a shot from distance because Bayern had real problems getting into the box. Uh, the, the aforementioned defenders did really well. One might say Köln played with 11 defenders in the second half, but you know you have to give them that use. They, they were defeat, defending a 1-0 lead and it nearly, it nearly worked all the way to the end. Um, but Bayern looked a little bit, despite their dominance in the second half, a little bit short on ideas and short on precision. Uh, but let's see. I think it's, this is enough of Bayern and the Bayern crisis. Let's move on to teams who are in a much happier space. And if you want to talk about Bayern, Jäger, Christoph, you mentioned uh, right at the beginning of our of the start of this pod that you thought that Leipzig are by far the best team suited to push Bayern. And they really underlined that very impressively when they beat Schalke 6-1 
in Gelsenkirchen. Now you might say, listener, well, beating Schalke 6-1, is that really impressive? Uh, these days, um, Schalke lose against uh, almost everyone. But yeah, I would say that they performed really well uh, on the back of that 1-1 draw with Bayern on Friday night. Uh, looked very, very good. And this is without their best player, Gustav Nkunku. They are only four points adrift of Bayern at the moment. Do we actually, shock horror, have a serious title race here? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't feel like this. Um, already, so not, no, yet. not yet. It's 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 uh, a bit premature to to. Um, yeah, but but maybe uh, we have to change our mind frame here. So maybe everyone in the Bundesliga has to change the mind frame because the general feeling is like ah they are so good and they are, uh, in the in the end we don't have a chance to 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 win the title blah 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 so this is like a um, i mean they have won it 10 times in a row so so um uh, th this feeling has been justified in the past and uh, but but every now and then there have been like uh, not widely open do open doors, but uh, slightly open doors, and nobody pushed it uh, and trying to go through it. And maybe this t season it's a bit different uh, because uh, there are also other teams. I mean, I um, as good as um, uh, uh, Union, for example, who are in second now after their two one win at at Bremen. Uh, seem to be back on track after their um, little crisis be before the World Cup. Uh, I mean, nobody would expect them to win the championship, but 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 at least try it. Give it a try. I mean, make, think about it, and um, and the same is true for for Leipzig. Not so much for Borussia Dortmund. That's that's my feeling, but we'll talk about them soon. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, there has been a lot of criticism uh, uh, towards Bundesliga clubs in the past because they didn't have this mind frame. And maybe this season it's a bit different, but still whole thing is a bit premature. Yeah, Christoph, it's interesting that you mentioned this, this lack of ambition that we often um, have seen in the past where the clubs are afraid to say yes of course let's let's go for it because they don't want to be embarrassed when they when they inevitably fail or, or more likely to not fail but i saw an interesting suggestion on twitter um someone who said bayern's troubles this season last season are not so much about them of course partially they are but maybe because the level in the bundesliga has become better as evidenced by good performances in Europe, uh, still four teams in the Champions League, uh, Union and Freiburg going strong in the Europa League, Leverkusen also with a chance to, to do something there. They're much improved under Xabi Alonso. Maybe what we're seeing is actually Bayern's dominance suffering not because they're getting worse but the other teams are getting better uh, it's a good point because um uh, appraising cologne for example is um it's not about the only these two central defenders i'm i mean um what i thought especially in the first half yes you can look at it and say bayern lacked lack precision and 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 uh, concentration and so on but cologne was also so well organized 
so brave attacking high and that it, it and they um they didn't look desperate in this uh trying oh yes we attacked them high and then they got counter attacks or so no they were also well organized to to prevent this uh counter attack so um it it was actually really good and i think um a lot of teams, and especially when you look at the top teams in in the Bundesliga, and among them the surprise teams like Union and um, and Freiburg, um, and also Frankfurt, um, they are defensively very good. Um, the the uh, so maybe they are lacking this uh, fantastic creative players, um, or very few of them have players like Olomouani or so who can create something out of nothing. But um, altogether, their collective organization is on a very very high level, and and Cologne showed that also. Yeah, Christoph, enough of Cologne now. <laughs> I know you've lived there for many years, but can we please move on? Uh, <laughs> Uh, if I mention the following 11 players to you, um, Castells, Van de Feen, Lacroix, Bornau, Baku, Arnold, Gerhard, Kaminski, Wind, Wimmer, Swanberg, does that strike you as a team that might fight for the Champions League places? I mean, this is, of course, the starting 11 from Wolfsburg from their 5-0 destruction of Hertha at the Olympic Stadium. And this is a Wolfsburg team that have now won was it six in a row to go within touching distance of the top four and talking about defensive solidity I mean Niko Kovac has really proved the doubters including maybe one or two people hosting this <laughs> pod uh, <laughs> wrong by constructing something very impressive from I don't want to say uh, 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 indifferent but certainly not a spectacular squad That be fair. Yeah, um, uh, they are probably right now the hottest team in the Bundesliga. I, I, I would say because they are they they look so so convinced of themselves, so stable. So I mean, they they almost. Uh, You're not talking about Hertha. Yeah. No, no, not not about Hertha. They they exactly look uh, as the opposite of, of this. Or so they um, it. Almost look easy how they won it at um, uh, in Berlin. Not not just because of the result, because it was like a team coming on the pitch and say, okay, uh, what's going on here? Blah 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 blah, and then bang, uh, you win it. And um, and we already had this uh, against Freiburg, where we we probably were doubting a bit, seeing them as a bit lucky with this. Uh, every shot going in, more or less. Um, but uh, no, they are actually really, really good. No, they are. Uh, I don't think there's any any disputing that. Um, they play as a unit. They have real good balance. Very strong defensively, as we said, but also going forward, looking looking excellent. Um, has to be said. He's doing very well, our friend Nico Kovac. And of course, they are playing Bayern soon. That should be very, very interesting. Um, Niko Kovac going back to take on his old club and Julian Nagelsmann. But until such time, um, is there a case to be made that Borussia Dortmund have finally cracked it 
Um, they played with more balance, at least in the sense that they defended better and created less than the 4-3 win over Augsburg. But it needed another late goal from, yes, again, Gio Reyna to get all three points at Mainz. Are they just getting lucky now or is there a bit of method to this good fortune? I, I found it lucky, um, actually. Um, I mean, uh, uh, to add, um, the assist come, came from, for, for this goal from Gio Reyna came from Sebastian Alea. So this, um, he, he came, uh, came on later, um, I think 30 minutes from time and, uh, he had his first assist. So his integration, uh, uh, goes on. And I think he, he will be uh, helpful for Borussia in, in the, in the games to come. Um, but, Actually, I was pretty disappointed by the performance of of uh, of Borussia. It's um, uh, they they had some some good parts in the game, but not many. Uh, they were controlling most of of the game, but without creating many uh, chances. And um, and towards the end. Um, uh, Mainz had uh, had uh, some opportunities uh, to take the lead, and and so I, I, it wasn't an undeserved win, um, but it was it was not very convincing. I, I I'm more on the doubters than the believers side uh, when it comes to Borussia Dortmund right now. But but sometimes you need you sometimes just need results and um and that now they uh, they got two um against uh, augsburg and in mainz and i think it was also important uh, for them to win away because they hadn't been very impressive this season away so um yeah uh, but but still uh, a lot of doubts about that yeah well we'll know more about how real and sustained this good run is when they take on Leverkusen next week. Uh, Leverkusen under Xabi Alonso, another team that's vastly improved. They have now won five in a row, courtesy of a 2-0 win over your beloved VfL Bochum. And again, um, defensively, a Leverkusen side that have looked pretty solid. Going forward, they're more efficient than expensive and exciting, but... It's been very, very successful as a blueprint. And they are up in eighth now. Um, also going pretty well. Uh, Dortmund, as you said, after that win now, just goal difference away from Frankfurt, who could only muster a 1-1 draw with Freiburg. A disappointing result for Frankfurt, who go to Bayern on Saturday in a top-of-the-table clash, first against Fourth, but is the big story of this weekend, uh, Christoph? And, and I don't want to rub it in too much, but I think we have to talk about it a little bit more. Is the big story of this weekend the fact that Schalke are now, as Kicker put it, on a farewell tour? Uh, 17 games before the end of the season, the season is already over for them. Um, I, I would agree. Um, because uh, what 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 we had said uh, said in in the past already, um, uh, Schalke simply lacks the quality. Um, a, a lot of people in in German football talk about teams having weapons. Uh, that means the 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 idea behind it that you you bring 
special qualities um, that uh, that can help you. Yeah, simply that can help you to win games. And uh, this is sometimes a very good transition game that you have fast players or um, that you are able to defend deep down and or, or, or whatever. There is a variety of options that you have a very good. Um, uh, a central forward who can uh, who can um, uh, um, go for, so that you can play for second balls or so so whatever. But Schalke actually has none of it. They don't have any special quality um, where you could imagine that they. Um, uh, I mean, they will win uh, some games. But what they need is they need to win a lot of games to stay up. And and I don't have any idea where these wins uh, could come from. Yeah, even though they have been better under Thomas Reis, but not improved enough to change the dynamics, you think? No, uh, uh, we, we talked about it. Um, they are um, uh, 3-0 defeat at Frankfurt. They, 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 um, the result doesn't fit to the performance because Schalke was playing uh, really well, but uh, th this uh, match against um, uh, Leipzig, uh, especially in the first half, was a complete disaster. And even though um, uh, Leipzig is is a, is one of the one of the top top teams in the Bundesliga, um, it's uh, you shouldn't be four 0 down at half time. And um, and everybody around Schalke had the feeling, mm, okay. Yeah, uh, that's it, and and I think that's it. And um, it, it it's really difficult now for them um, because there is no real perspective of turning things around. So so what do you do with this half year? Prepare for the second division or or whatever. They have still have these huge financial issues, and um, um, and uh, yes, they want to sign. Uh, one or two or maybe more players um, uh, uh, in this transfer window, but they don't have the financial means that you would imagine that these transfers uh, could could things turn around immediately. So, um, yeah. So it, it will be a tough half season for, for Schalke. Yeah, and, and possibly a tough season for Borussia Mönchengladbach as well. They went to Augsburg, uh, producer York is uh, is not happy me mentioning that. Um, they went to Augsburg in an attempt to win their first away game of the season and uh, they didn't. They lost 1-0. They were very poor. Augsburg, Augsburg scored a beautiful goal through Megan Berisha outside of the boot volley into the corner. Some good approach work from Kevin Yeboah, who is, yes, the nephew of Tony Yeboah of Frankfurt and Leeds fame. Augsburg, very decent. Gladbach, very poor. And the question here, Christoph, is with Max Eber gone, with Jan Sommer gone, with important players like uh, Rami Benzebaini and Marcus Turam probably leaving as well, is this club a little bit, I don't want to say in free fall, but certainly not on an upward trajectory? To put it mildly, um, yes, it, it reminds me a bit of what happened to Werder Bremen in in um, in, in the last year. So, so a club that um, was competing for international football and 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 so on, and then they 
they couldn't sustain it in, in, and, and became in this kind of troubles over many years they, they couldn't get out of uh, anymore. And, and uh, I, I think it's a huge problem. So what you can say about this season, it's almost, they almost surely won't qualify for international football. I guess they don't will they don't will end up in this in the relegation fight because they are too good for it. So so it's a it's one of these seasons where you uh, 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 around tens, eleven, twelves, or so on. Um, <clears throat> but the uh, prospect, the prospect is um, uh, yes, uh, our producer York. Um, it reminds us that they were losing um, five of the last seven uh, games. So probably his feeling is that they they will end up in the relegation uh, fight. But let's see. But um, but if you if you take a, a longer perspective, and you brought this up with a lot of contracts from important players. Um, uh, uh, will end in summer, and I, I'm almost sure that most of them will leave. And um, so you need to replace them, but you don't have the financial means to replace them on a level um, uh, that these players are, are having, like Marcus Turam or Rani Vansevaini, Alessandro Player. And so... Um, this is a very, very difficult situation for, for Borussia Mönchengladbach, maybe the uh, most difficult in many, many years. And so they had this um, impressive turnaround um, after um, Lucien Favre uh, came to, to Borussia Mönchengladbach, saved them from, from, uh, from relegation, and, and then this success story of Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, began. And now it, it feels uh, like the end of the circle. And, um, and uh, yeah, I think we will talk about um, Borussia Mönchengladbach in, in the future more than not only our producer, Jörg, um, <laughs> would like to, uh, to, to talk, uh, uh, to have us talk. Yeah, I think that is very possible, uh, Christoph. They will go to Hoffenheim on Saturday in an attempt to win their ninth away game of the season. Maybe it's nine times lucky for them. It would come, as you say, at a good time because they're only six points off the relegation playoff spot. Yes, maybe too good to go down, but we have seen and said that before. Uh, let's hope that Daniel Farkas' team can turn things around uh, because it'd be a shame to see Borussia Mönchengladbach not in this league and not doing well. They are a blue chip side mm -hmm. and uh, especially here at Beer and Honey, uh, we like to see them uh, do well and we wish them all the best. But that's all we got time for this week. Um, just before we go, uh, another reminder that you can and should really subscribe if possible or if indeed you're already a fully paid up member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club we salute you. We thank you very much for your kind contribution. Um, we're back on Monday. I was Raphael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann and we say bye-bye. Bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.